0: Hello and welcome to the BL Podcast. I am Nivedita Rajan. Over the last five years, the Indian government has been focusing on increasing the number of patents that are being filed in the country. And now, we are seeing the results. The Economic Survey 2021-2022 shows that the filing of intellectual property patents in India has increased by 30% in the last five years and the number of patents granted in this period has almost tripled this increase in patent filings has helped increase india's ranking in the global innovation index it has risen from 81 in 2015-16 to 46 in 2021 but given the large population we have and the sheer size of our country are we living up to our potential what are some of the areas we need to focus upon on the occasion of the world ip day I spoke to Mr. Patrick Kilbride of the US Chamber of Commerce's Global Innovation Policy Center and Dr. Shweta Singh, who is a patent law expert and the CEO of Innoble IP. Listen into our conversation. So, um, Mr. Patrick Kilbride, to you first the GIPC index. In it, India rose about thirteen percent over the past decade, so that's a steady increase over the decade. What are some of the metrics you're using to calculate who rises and who's falling in the index?
1: Thank you. You know, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, for the last ten years has been measuring the global IP system against uh, an increasing series of indicators that look at the the laws that are on the books in various countries, how they're um, how those laws are enforced and and what the political environment says about a country's uh, inclination towards innovation and creativity. And so we started in 2012 with 11 countries uh, and 25 indicators. And this index has grown to cover uh, 55 economies and 50 indicators. Um, Altogether, we cover uh, 90 percent of global GDP. Uh, It covers countries from every conceivable range of of income level or development level, uh, every region of the world. So it's certainly not exhaustive, but it's fairly comprehensive. And we measure against indicators now in nine categories, including uh, basic patent rights, copyright, trademark, trade secret law, as well as enforcement of those rights, And uh, in more recent years, we've added categories on systemic efficiency, including, you know, a country's um, uh, inclination to help entrepreneurs access uh, financing via their IP assets, as well as uh, participation in international treaty making to set global standards So uh, we're we're very excited about the index, and India has been included since the very first edition, so there's a rich um, trove of of data on India's IP system in in the GIPC index, and over time, India has uh, steadily increased its score. The big inflection point, I think, was the, the 2016 national IPR strategy. And in the few years uh, following uh, the release of the strategy, we saw India's score increase fairly steadily for a number of years uh, as important reforms were were put into place that addressed backlogs in in things like patent and trademark pendency, as well as uh, sort of increased efforts to uh, provide education and awareness initiatives at both the federal and the state level, to help entrepreneurs plug into uh, IP assets, as well as just to sort of include it in their curriculum at a very basic uh, educational level. Um, And and so we we think that's been very successful. In more recent years, just in the last couple of years, I would say that uh, India's score on the index has plateaued somewhat. But looking now at the um, Parliamentary Standing Committee on Commerce's IP review, we're hopeful that this is yet another uh, opportunity to, to really make another leap.
0: So can you tell us a little more about some of the reasons behind India's race?
1: Well, you know, specifically, uh, India has embraced uh, some things like the, the WIPO Internet Treaties, um, which uh, include a number of uh, important disciplines for um, the, the copyright and cultural spaces and how um, the The works of uh, of our creative community will be protected online. Um, it includes, um, so for instance, uh, there's been a, an opportunity for dynamic injunctive relief in the in the copyright space, which is an important tool to enforce rights. We've seen, um, as I mentioned, the the real um, rapid decrease in uh, the patent backlog, as well as increased filings of of patent applications by uh, Indian entrepreneurs uh, for a long time. Uh, It seemed that patent filings in India were dominated by foreigners, and the the percentage of those filings being made by Indian entrepreneurs has increased steadily. I think um, we have to give a lot of credit to uh, to the government for that.
0: In your ranking, India is somewhere in the, I wouldn't say bottom half, but it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, how does India compare to, say, the US and the UK, which is on the very top of the list?
1: Well, I, I think we have uh, we have a longer track record of um, in the United States and in the UK of enforcing these rights and, and codifying them in law. Um, India really got into the game following the. Um, well, really consistent with the um, the creation of the WTO uh, and the TRIPS Agreement, the World Trade Organization and its intellectual property rights agreement, and um, so so, there, so there's not as long a track record there. Um, but the fact is that, at least from my point of view, um, India's intellectual property system in its early days was geared toward. Um, making it easier to access IP from outside the country. And I think in recent years, there's been a realization that the better goal for a country's intellectual property system is to promote innovation from within. Um, And so that's a different mindset, and it leads to a different set of, uh, of policy outcomes for instance you know if if your goal is just to make intellectual property cheaper from outside the country then you're going to be a little bit more stingy with intellectual property rights and the laws are going to be structured such that there's a high bar to get a patent or a copyright or enforce a copyright in india whereas if your goal is to foster investment at home then you're going to be a little bit more forward-leaning. You're going to help entrepreneurs uh, with a with a predictable and reliable environment where they're able to leverage intellectual property as an economic asset. Um, and I think uh, over time, India has been making that transition.
0: Um, how does India compare to China, which in your list turns higher than India? And India and China are now almost competing with each other for newer technology along with the US and the UK. So how is India competing with China on this regard?
1: The story with India and China is that democracy is messy, but ultimately it's it's more successful. And
0: Mm,
1: what I mean by that is China, I think, has seen how intellectual property works in countries like the United States and the United Kingdom to enable investment and innovation. And they have very deliberately put in place many of the mechanisms that, you know, that that create that opportunity. But at the same time, you know, the Chinese political system remains highly interventionist and there's a willingness for the government, you know, really at all levels to put its thumb on the scale in favor of domestic competitors or even just uh, national strategic objectives. And what that means is, you know, in 99% of, of cases, intellectual property rights are probably fairly secure in China, but if there's a political reason to override those rights, it's likely to happen. Um, in India, I, again, I would call this a personal view, but I think the commitment to the rule of law is, is stronger. And um, as a result, even though the, um, the laws on the books may not uh, line up one to one with China and may not score quite as well in our index, nevertheless, it's a, it's a more promising environment in many ways in India than in China.
0: So what you're basically saying, if I get this right, is in China, we don't know if the government will enforce the IP um, patent, right? if there's an infringement. And in India, the probability is much higher.
1: I'd say, if I could sum it up, the the political risk is ultimately higher in China than it Mm is in India, although the, the legal uncertainty in India remains significant.
0: Okay, so in India, the length of the legal trial will be a problem, but in China, it is the politics at play which is a problem. Is that right to assume?
1: I mean, it's uh, there's a lot more nuance and complexity than that. But yes, I think at a high level, that's that's
0: right. Dr. Singh, Mr. Kilbride has mentioned that the number of patents filed in India have been increasing recently. In 2015, the number was around 5,900, if I'm not mistaken. And now in 2021, 2022, it was over 30,000 patents. Uh, This is a huge rise, no doubt. But is India fulfilling its potential? So, uh, according to MIRSI, the, the rise is there.
2: And mm. uh, everyone will agree the rise is there. In fact, the government, a few days back, uh, given out the notice also that uh, our regional filing, that means uh, in-house filing, has been increased first time in 11 years of history. Uh, residential patents were increased uh, in comparison to non-residential patents. But I believe that more has to be done, uh, um, kind of giving awareness to people, in fact, government has taken a lot of uh, steps by uh, the f- the first and foremost step was reducing down the fees of Indian universities by 80% so that more and more universities come and uh, take part in patent filing and protecting their innovation. Then there are a lot of schemes and policies, I would say, with, with after 2016. So after 2016, they have taken a lot many measures, I would say, different schemes, different policies, startup policies, IPR policies were taken care by government. And then uh, regulations were made to have incubation center in universities and innovation cells in universities so that students, researchers, faculties get involved in all these things. But I believe a lot more activities and a uh, lot more subjects have to be done in IP because still we are far behind you see the number, like uh, how much patent China is filing or how much patent US is filing or Europe or Japan is filing, we are lagging much behind. If you see the number, more than 12 lakh application, that is like a commendable number by China and more more than 6 lakh application by US, Mm. that is again a commendable number. So if we see our number, if we have reached around 90,000 or 80,000 exact number yet to come, uh, then again, we are lagging behind seeing the population uh, of of our country and also seeing what kind of strong education system we have, right? Yes, I believe that culture has improved because of the governmental support, I believe. But a lot of things government has to yet to do, like uh, grant process should not be, be lengthy. Second, a lot of backlog is there. Like I I, I had I, with my team, I, I have seen that... Uh, Till now, many of the applications of 2015, 2016 are still pending with patent office. So this backlog has to be clear. So I believe lot many human resource or whom we call patent examiner has to be deployed. So the government has to work on these things. But coming to the second point, apart from government, we as a responsible citizen also has to uh, give our input. I believe as we enjoy our tangible rights, right? Mm. As we enjoy our regular rights, fundamental rights, we should enjoy our intellectual property rights also. What I think, what I ideate, what I make, what I create, what I innovate needs to be protected. Why? Because that's my right. I have developed it and I am the owner. And this should be inculcated in each and every youth of this country. So that is something very important. You you questioned... uh, Uh, there was one line how US is growing and Mm. so I I would add here that see US is very serious about its intellectual property right when we talk about patent patent is like their fundamental right it's in the Mm. constitution also if I'm not wrong so I believe somewhere with government we also uh, we as a, a fraternity of attorneys, IP attorneys, and also as a, as a fraternity of innovators, we have to take our intellectual assets very seriously, our rights very seriously.
0: Uh, so basically, what you're saying is, the people also have to take a part in ensuring that they're, that they file for it, right?
2: Yes, file, at least to start filing it. Approval, mm-hmm. Not approval will depend come on the letter stage, right? Because mm-hmm. we Indian, we have so many jugar systems. We have so but many utility, uh, utility patent is also being talked about now in India. Yeah. I think by by two or three months, within two or three months we will be having a law for it. Yes, we are growing. I admit that in four or five years the scenario has changed in numbers, in percentage, but still we are very far. So at least start filing the First stages, start recognizing, at least start recognizing what your IP is and then start uh, not to ignore that. And then, yes, go take help of the attorneys and file it and then move
0: with the prosecution and other processes. You mentioned that there's a tendency in issuing the patents. Is there a tendency in giving uh, protection to the patents which are already there? Mr. Kilbride also said there was in India that the legal system takes its time. Is that a big problem?
2: Yes, I see it a big problem. Uh, mm. Why? Because when I interact with lot many innovators, especially with our uh, universities, I would say, uh, they they initially in 2017, 2016, I'm talking initially, they were very much uh, reluctant to file, uh, they wanted to publish it. Why? Because publishing a paper comes online in a year or so. Okay. Mm. The the mindset was like if I file a patent, it will get granted after five years, six years. Till that, I will lose the charm of my innovation, and my innovation will be uh, will not be there in the market. So why this process is so lengthy? Now I think system has improved. Yes, not so backlog is still there, but I think with the startup SIPP policy for startups in India, they have actually started bringing the application on fast track. But I believe. With the fast track, the regular process should also be streamlined in a manner so that it should not take much time. In US, I believe, uh, because I, I did uh, some of the applications, uh, with the normal process, we got uh, the grant uh, in 1.5 for two years. So this is something very commendable. Yes, in India also it's happening now, but it's very few, very few applications in hundred one application or in two hundred one application.
0: So how long will it take for an application a, a patent to be issued in India in general? Then
2: in general, it takes nearly four years, five years, sometimes. Few of my applications, not few, many of my applications still pending in patent office from twenty fifteen or
0: twenty sixteen. Oh wow, that's a big delay. So this five years of delay will impact the entrepreneur so why would they file it in the first place then? yes 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 what is the government doing to address this issue
2: so i think uh, now the government has taken it very seriously mm-hmm. and uh, in in last one one and a half year i have seen the change that the grant is getting processed very easily so my 2020 2021 applications are getting granted now uh, but uh, i think government should have more number of Patent examiners in the office, so mm-hmm. that uh, if there will be workforce, fro- right? So there will be more of workforce, more of application can be taken here.
0: So, um, can the government's flagship program, the Make in India program, the Atmanirbhar Bharat program, can it help increase patents? Yes, yes, definitely, and it actually
2: has helped. But see, Make in India and Atmanirbhar Bharat, when you talk, we talk about only innovation. We mm-hmm. not talk, we don't talk about. Protecting those innovation, mm-hmm. right? So I think with Atmanirbhar Bharat or Make in India concept, protection should be added to it, right? So when when government release these both schemes or these both uh, policies, they should have actually included innovate and protect, which our Prime Minister also says that innovate and protect, patent protect and uh, and prosperity. It it is his one of the best line mm-hmm. now. Now after twenty sixteen when he came when he came so. So I think these these schemes or these uh, atmanirbhar Bharat and made in India it will actually raise the innovation index because a lot of innovation actually happening and during COVID time, uh, twenty twenty uh, from twenty twenty since now we see many companies have come up, many pharma companies, many life science companies, biomedical companies have come up. On tr- we have a lot many unicorns now. I would say made in India we have a lot many unicorns now. Yes then also we need to somewhere uh, make people more aware or ask them not to ignore their intellectual property. So it can raise the innovation bar that uh, more of people will innovate, but, sometime, uh, but I feel that protection should be mandatory with this, that if you innovate, protect some kind of schemes or, or, or uh, incentivization should be done to the innovators who actually protects their invention.
0: Mr. Kilbride, what are your thoughts on the matter? Can the Make in India program help increase the amount of patents in Indians file?
1: I would actually turn that on its head and say that uh, you know a stronger patent system will help Make in India. More indigenous innovation means more self-reliance. Uh, mm-hmm. So, as a as a strategic matter, to to be successful with. the make the various make in india initiatives i think a a strong patent system is at the root of that and then you do create a virtuous cycle because it leads to policy decisions that that then in turn make it uh, easier and uh, more secure to uh, access patent rights or or other intellectual property rights
0: so um how will the startup ecosystem play here because The government, the central government is also talking a lot about increasing the amount of startups and the innovations that they come up with. How can they build an ecosystem for the startups to flourish?
1: From my experience, the the number one issue for startups is access to financing. And Mm -hmm. especially today, when uh, so many startups, uh, I, I think it's fair to say globally, are in the knowledge space, you know, that is they're um, selling a a product or service that's represented by an innovative new idea that, you know, there's not a set of, uh, usually a set of tangible physical assets that they can take to the bank as as collateral. And so intellectual Mm property rights become the linchpin to be able to access financing. The more secure, uh, reliable, and predictable those rights are, the easier it will be for entrepreneurs to access financing and and the thing to remember about you know innovative entrepreneurship is that there's three levels of risk that these startups face they, they start the, they face the usual business risk that every uh, every economic enterprise faces that you know uh, supply and demand might change their supply chains could be affected as we saw during the pandemic. Uh, consumer tastes may change, the economy uh, may weaken. Um, and so the, those are the everyday uh, business risks that, that all of us face in the economy. You add to that uh, a second layer of risk, which is the technical risk that you're doing something new and inherently risky because it might not work. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the biopharmaceutical space, mm-hmm. 90- of, uh, of new drugs entering you know, human clinical trials fail to ever make it to market as a product that can actually provide a return on investment. So that, that is an inherently risky undertaking. Um, and, but then you add to that a third layer of risk, which is political risk. It's the idea that intellectual property rights may be uh, inherently weak in, in some markets or the government may have a high willingness to intervene uh, and change the rules either arbitrarily or or even retroactively in some cases. Um, And and so with those three layers of risk, it becomes um, all that more uh, important as, as a competitive matter that a country looks to strengthen its patent system so that its entrepreneurs and its startups can successfully access financing and then to continue to access it, even when they inevitably have some, some products or services that don't work the first time and they mm. need to, be able to keep going back and, and accessing uh, new, new rounds of financing in order to get to success. Uh, Dr. Shweta, how can startup ecosystem
0: effectively foster innovation?
2: Right. Uh, So, uh, see, over the year, government, uh, central government of India has made an honest effort to spread the awareness Mm. regarding the importance of IP amongst the startup by highlighting its necessities and why it is important and also offering various incentives for startups like SIPP scheme came for Indian startups. To boost but the startup also need to learn fulfilling the compliances like they fulfill their legal compliances for their companies they have to fulfill the compliances for their ip also so mm. government cannot do everything until unless we as a startup are ready to take it right yeah. so there are tax incentives rebates everything which has been provided in sipp scheme government has done its efforts spreading the awareness through different incubator programs to different uh, accelerator programs but Despite these efforts, there exists a massive, I would say, wide amongst the entrepreneurs in relation to understanding the importance of IPR prior to or during operation of their startups. And they should actually uh, look back to the startups, uh, uh, I, I would say global startups like Airbnb, Uber, how they have built a massive IP ecosystem for themselves. How Airbnb is fighting day and night for their IP infringement cases with big companies like Apple and others. So, they should actually because IP is not a startup has to understand IP is not something they file and they just leave. IP is actually uh, counts in their valuation. So, today Apple has 70% valuation coming from their intellectual property rights with their patent trademark operated all. Mm. So, this One startup has to take it very seriously when it comes to build their company as a massive. So, we are producing unicorns, but how many unicorns have their entry barriers with protection of the IP? How many of them in the initial stages taken their intellectual property very seriously? So, yes, uh, when it comes to government, they are doing their job, but If uh, for the early stage startups, we start providing a seed money support for IP protection also that will actually support them because many a time what I have found literally on the grounds that uh, they they, they don't want to invest in intellectual property rights just because that that bucks also they want to put uh, in their startup for for sales or marketing Mm -hmm.
0: purpose. So what is the role of academia in this? Like uh, all, all of the IITs have their own research cell. All right. universities in India have the research cell. But are they just innovating and not patenting?
2: So this is very, a very, very relevant question, I, I would say, because see, Indian academic innovation system is right now growing. My, hmm. my main forte in IP is helping universities. Uh, I believe that a lot of research and innovation happens in university actually happens in universities, but it's not properly channelized to industries and not properly channelized to the protection system also. But yes, due to some effect from government, I would say again, where government came up with a ranking system, which is called NIRF and then an accreditation system of uh, NAC and uh, accreditation system of NBA of forming. These mm-hmm. systems, ranking and accreditation has actually put a pressure on academics also to start innovating and protecting. So they ask now, how many patents, how many copyrights, how many designs you have filed. In academics, either it was IIT or uh, private universities or colleges, they were more focusing on publishing a paper. So whatever invention you have, innovation you have, just do it publicly. Uh, with coming of these ranking systems and acquisitions, private universities or and colleges has also take, started taking IP very seriously. If you see a uh, patent office government of India, when they take out their annual report, now the collective IITs are filing around 600 patents and rest other, you will see only private universities. So a lot many university, private uh, uni- players, uh, I would say academic players are coming into this role just because now they understand That innovation, entrepreneurship and IPR, these are the three things which will actually boost the strengthen the academic
0: ecosystem. 1.3 lakh scientific papers were published in 2019, apparently, in India alone. But as you see, there are not many patents filed. Is it only because of the lack of information on the university side or is there something much deeper, something more concerning that we should be looking at, but we are not? So,
2: universities, uh, academic system, I would say, more focuses on publishing a paper. Why? Because their appraisal was dependent on publishing a paper. There, there was lack of uh, awareness about patents. So, when I was going and delivering talks many of the universities, they were like, oh, I had a great research, but I publish it. And no one told me that I can patent it also. So, this was a scenario uh, in 2015, 2016, 2017. Now, the scenario has changed. So uh, if I compare the numbers, see the papers will be always uh, in number wise or count wise, always always, uh, higher because everything cannot be patented, first thing, but yes, the number of patent is increasing. It was due to lack of uh, uh, awareness, I would say. Second, there was cost issue because universities were being charged as the corporates are being charged. So their fees was almost uh, same as the corporate. But now, after after this year 2021, government has reduced the fees to 80%. And uh, I can see lot many now uh, universities participating, small colleges participating. In fact, individual researchers are also now, now participating in patents.
0: If you file a patent, you can't publish the paper, is
2: it? No. If you file a patent, you can publish a paper. But hmm. if you publish a paper, it comes in public domain, right? Oh, okay,
0: okay. So okay.
2: anything which is in public domain cannot be patented. So first patent and then publish.
0: Oh, okay. So first we need to file for the patent and then we can publish it. Is that okay? Or yes. should we wait yes. till the patent is granted?
2: No, 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 no. If you file a patent, you can publish because the, your enforcement starts from the day you file
0: if bigger businesses like say the reliance and the tatas of the world collaborate Mm -hmm. with the academia will there be a better push for greater and better research and therefore more patents and more ipr
2: yes and again i'll say this is very relevantly brought by you because see in indian uh, innovation ecosystem we lack industry collaboration we have a lot of mous within the universities, uh, Indian universities or mm-hmm. academics have a lot of uh, MOUs, but how many are actionable? When I say say actionable, then that means how many actually are working on the ground? How many research are being done? So if mm-hmm. actually uh, these private firms corporate, start giving projects to universities, believing in the potential of universities, so a lot many research activities can be taken here like publishing everything so ibm is filing lakhs and lakhs of application every year also publishing lakhs of papers every year but what if if they involve uh, start involving university at code how this is this is this is totally reversed if you see this is totally reversed in foreign countries so there the research is being done by the universities and that is uh that is taken again in the market on the largest scale by the companies. So there are universities doing this, uh, doing the research, coming off with the results and then result is being taken by the uh, corporates and then they are doing it in large, large scale. So the patent belongs mm-hmm. to university also and the, uh, whatever their MOU is, so there can be joint applicant or uh, whatever their agreement is, that is totally a second thing. But in India, the scenario is different.
0: What is happening in the US is something so similar to what the Oxford vaccine for COVID nineteen is. Right? Oxford started to study it, and then they had a tie with AstraZeneca, and that's what is missing in India right now. Am I right? Yes. That? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, how do we address this? How do we make big companies, smaller companies, even and academies and universities come together?
2: See, I think like uh, government has uh, has taken. Uh, came up with ranking systems and accreditation and given a place to patent that how many patent filed how many patent published how many patent granted so they have a marks for this emphasize has not been given much for industry academia collaboration so much Mm -hmm. of emphasize emphasize must must be given for academia and industry collaboration and also to the output what output they have got? Not just collaboration, because collaboration means simple MOU and two, three, four training programs and all. That that is that will not solve the purpose. So there should be clear cut. What is the outcome of every collaboration? And based on that, you will be ranked or you, you your accreditation will be provided. And also, mm-hmm. the industries has to come forward. Industry has to believe our researchers, our faculties, our young innovators, and start giving them the projects. So many of the industries now Dell has come up with academic program, IBM has academic program, Cisco Mm -hmm. has an academic program, but I believe uh, uh, on what level, because I don't see much of outcome of that, but I believe that startups and SMEs, uh, Indian SMEs should also focus on this collaboration. So if you see our IITs, uh, they are doing good in industry and academic research. They have good uh, outcomes. They are producing good startups also. They are doing good projects also, but how many private universities or how many private colleges or institutions are guiding?
0: What is the U.S. doing in this? How is the U.S. fostering the Academy of Business Collaboration for patents?
1: Well, thanks. I, I think uh, Dr. Shwata said exactly right, that this is the crux of the matter. Um, if you're going to have a successful innovation ecosystem, it's because you've created an environment where government and academia and startups and businesses large and small can all work together seamlessly and effectively. Uh, and that requires um, intellectual property rights that have uh, a lot of reliability and predictability. They, they need to be transferable mm-hmm. through through IP licensing or sale. And what the United States has done um, uh, really, in the last forty years, is uh, we passed what was called the Bayh-Dole Act, which uh, allowed research performed under government grants to be eligible for intellectual property rights. Those rights could then be licensed. For instance, a university would often be the recipient of a government grant for early stage scientific research. They, mm-hmm. you know, find something promising. They license those rights. Often to you know maybe it's their own researchers, their university researchers who will go out and uh, and found a startup and you know uh, invest themselves in their time in, in a very specific undertaking to find out what the application of this new knowledge is and if they're successful you know a, a startup rarely has the um, the specialized know-how to do manufacturing at scale or even product development and testing. Uh, to, to really uh, zero in on a product that, that works and that, that's ready for a consumer. So what you see is through the life cycle of commercialization, intellectual property rights are changing hands uh, a number of times. And, and it's really, the, it's one, the strength of, um, of the government's commitment to intellectual property rights that gives, um, you know, that creates the transferability of those assets, but then two, it's the overall respect for contracts uh, in, in the country that enables individual stakeholders to work together uh, you know, and to agree on, on what value each is bringing to the table in a, in a particular collaboration. And so that when you have those uh, elements present, that's when an ecosystem can really um, emerge and thrive.
0: So, um, finally, I'd like to talk to you about something a little bit controversial. The um, IP rights when it comes to the pharma sector, we all know that there's basically kind of a divide between the world right now about the tips waiver on COVID-related items at the WTO. So, how do we, like, unpack such complicated issues?
2: So, see, as you said, this is a very controversial topic and last two years yeah. we are debating on this. <laughs> but, uh, but I... I would just put my personal views. Mm. See, any law is, I don't think, is more than a life of a human. So uh, I, I don't pay attorney or I don't pay anything else when it comes something like this. So according to me, and uh, uh, there, there is law for it, a patent law, or every country's patent law talks about it, mm. is compulsory licensing. So either it's a uh, behavior or the trips or bringing compulsory licenses or uh, licensing on place. I believe that IP system. Uh, of every country should handle it not uh, like uh, generating because ip is uh, uh, more of protecting innovation and generating revenue of it but here uh, for any kind of pandemic situation i believe that some waivers and uh, some of these kind of acts like compulsory license we have should be on place because right now we don't need any kind of i would say barriers or Controversies or, or 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 heckles for to stop the medicines reaching the the people who
0: actually need it. And Mr. Kilburn, what's your thoughts on the matter?
1: Well, yeah, you know, I, I think while all of us would like to see biopharmaceutical innovation treated as something special and different um, because it's so important to make sure that you know, there's global access in the most rapid fashion possible um, to health breakthroughs, and especially in a pandemic, then there's a temptation to treat this industry differently than other industries. And I think it's important for policymakers to remember that biopharmaceutical innovators face exactly the same challenges, you know, the business risk, the technical risk, the political risk as all other industries only the stakes are a lot higher for the world. And, um, you know, know, and they have such a high uh, technical risk of failure. So I, I think it's important that, you know, one, yes, we do everything in our power to make sure that these breakthrough health innovations are reaching everyone everywhere in the world, but we also don't allow it to become politicized. And we don't undermine the factors that have allowed those innovations to be developed in the first place, because there's going to be another crisis. Um, It may be uh, another health crisis. It could be an energy or a climate crisis. It could be one of food production. We're going to need those innovators again. And if we undermine the, the factors now that allowed them to succeed in the first place, they're not going to be ready for the next crisis you know, moreover, there's been a lot of emphasis in this uh, debate over the proposed waiver of intellectual property rights at the WTO. Uh, there's been an emphasis on uh, the need for global and local production. That is, you know, these vaccines, for instance, should be manufactured everywhere in the world so that, you know, there's a local supply. And it, I'm very um, sympathetic to, to that which the way to get there, though, is by helping local manufacturers in those countries plug into the ecosystem. And again, that requires a stronger global commitment to intellectual property rights, not a weaker one, because without that connectivity, without the you know transferability of uh, IP assets between one uh, entity and another, then, then you don't have the ecosystem. And that's what we found, uh, I think, during this pandemic, is the reason you're not getting uh, more manufacturing in Africa is because African countries generally have not protected IP to a sufficient degree for their, uh, for their um, stakeholders to plug into that ecosystem. So the answer, again, is not to weaken IP. It's actually to protect it.
0: So how do we put people over profits, at think, the same time, keeping the
1: rights in yeah, you know we have a mantra at, at GIPC which is innovation happens everywhere um, you know innovation and creativity are an essential part of of our human nature. Americans aren't more innovative than you know anyone else in the world. Um, innovation does happen everywhere, but not everywhere is innovation. Uh, sustained and fostered to the same degree. And so what you see is that people's brilliant ideas, you know, they, they emerge as a, as a one-off and nothing more comes of it or, um, you know, or, or they're fairly incremental. And they, But when, where you see breakthrough transformations, you know, brand new technologies, new ways of uh, thinking about and doing things, it's where you have uh, an economic and political system that uh, cultivates freedom of thought, first of all, but then you know, the economic principles that allow uh, for, the, for the innovation innovation ecosystem to emerge that can commercialize uh, ideas and, and actually turn great ideas into an end product that can be used by someone. And, and, and that really is the goal. So, you know, as as we see uh, an emerging global middle class that was really threatened by the pandemic, um, it's going to be important that we empower individuals everywhere in the world to own their ideas, to be able to protect them so that they can leverage them and and use them as the basis to to create more ownership and a more successful global middle
0: class. But that doesn't necessarily put the people in front of company profits, does it?
1: Well, I don't think there I wouldn't differentiate. I think if people can earn a profit, then, then companies can too. Um, I, I think we, we create sometimes a false dichotomy between people and corporations. A corporation is nothing but a collection of people. Um, and we have to uh we have to empower all of them.
0: Yeah, but Yeah, sure. A company will have to answer to its shareholders, but while the government will have to answer to all of the public, it's in our case because we're all in democracy, the voters and the public at large. So, how can the government balance the two?
1: You know, governments do that through regulation, and you know, the business community is all often viewed as being anti regulation. Mm I, I think that's not true. I, I think what business is looking for is common sense regulation based on cost-benefit analysis and you know implemented in a rule of law environment, which means that the rules are transparent, that they're well known to everyone, that they're predictable in terms of how they're enforced. That there's due process when when disputes emerge that we we all know how those disputes will be resolved, and that there's accountability uh, throughout the system that everyone's held to the same rules, and finally that the rules don't change overnight. That you know the, the rules that have been agreed to don't um, don't go out the window because something you know some some. You so that, that to me, when you have a rule of law environment, you can't have regulation that, that drives mm-hmm. socioeconomic outcomes. Thank you so much,
0: uh, both of you, for joining us today.